Hey, Feisties. As you may know, the Feisty Women's Performance Summit is back for year two. The virtual summit, which will be March 25th to 27th, 2022, will host 20, there's a lot of 20s, 20 vetted experts who will help you learn how to get the best out of your body throughout your lifetime. This year's main stage speakers include the world's premier sports scientist focusing on female physiology, Dr. Stacey Sims, the first woman to win the Trans Am bike race outright and beat the boys, I might add, Lael Wilcox, the incredible four-time obstacle course racing world champion, Amelia Boone, the author of Running While Black, Alison Mariella Desir, and the first woman and first African-American to hold so many positions of leadership in the U.S. Air Force, we cannot keep track, Colonel Yvonne Spencer. And the breakout sessions are where we will take a deep dive into specific topics, like how to build a progressive strength program, how to talk to girls about food, why perfectionism is the culprit to your exhaustion, supplements, movement efficiency, diet culture, and more. So grab your ticket by heading on over to womensperformance.com. The All Access Pass will give you access to the live event on the weekend of March 25th to 27th, but also you get access to the replays all year long, which I know is super important to busy, active women. So head on over to womensperformance.com and hope to see you there. So Lisa, this week I was doing my usual uh, wasting of time and wasting my life ever so often when I need a brain break. And I saw the beautiful and fast, might I say, Allison Felix. Um, and I, it caught my eye because I'm always looking to see what's going on with her brand on her shoes and so forth. And it caught my eye. I was thinking, oh, it's going to be something about her shoe brand. And actually she was one of the women selected as woman of the year uh, by Time Magazine. And so that kind of got me into thinking, okay, well, who else is on this list? Um, and you know us, we're going to deep dive into not only who's on the list, but who selects the list, right? And so it got me curious and I found this whole article and girl, there is some tea behind this whole selection situation. So I thought we should flesh this out and talk about it because it mm -hmm. is not mm -hmm. as straightforward as one would think. Okay, good. Cause I'm completely uneducated. I mean, I know that they have, um, man or person of the year. And I just remember the 2016 right. one with Trump. Um, right. but other than that, I have little knowledge. So I am happy to be schooled. Yeah. So let's dive in. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne Gold and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. So Lisa, let me say, I really did not start paying attention to the time person of the year, woman of the year, man of the year, any of it. I didn't really pay attention to it until I was in my doctoral program. And it was my first year in my program in 2006 and my classmates in my cohort showed up and they showed me this magazine and it was like a mirror on the front of it. And my friend said, Hey, look, who's person of the year. And it's you. And I'm like, what? 
what y'all talking about? Stop playing. Look, I, my brain does not have time to process what you just said. We're in a doc program. They're like, no, it's you, meaning you more broadly, you as in all of us have the outlet to communicate, whether it's by YouTube or by social media outlets and so forth. And that was the 2006 time person of the year, you, Y-O-U. And so I was like, dang, this is interesting. And so then I kind of dove in a little further to see how do they make these selections? Like, are they just randomly choosing a topic? Are they choosing individual people, et cetera? Um, Of course, I found that other people were selected like, you know, many US presidents, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, even Adolf Hitler was chosen as one of the people of the year. And so of course, you know, I had questions. Yes, girl, yes. I had questions. I'm like, how the hell did you choose Adolf Hitler as person of the year? And so that's how I uh, remember even learning about what uh, time person of the year was. But it, it seems like there's a bit more to the selection process and it's evolved over the years. So I, I thought, yeah, let me bring this to Lisa. I need somebody to help me dissect this process here. Okay. So I'm going to bite because I feel like how on earth... <laughs> did Hitler get to be man of the year? Because I think that that moniker or label is almost always assumed to be positive, right? Before uh, then doing yeah, yeah, some yeah. kind of background digging and realize, oh, perhaps it isn't. But I would say just kind of in like our common understanding of man or woman of the year, person of the year, like that's an award and it's positive, right? So without like the average person is probably going to be looking at that thinking, what the heck? Oh, girl. And see, this is where we have to work against our usual thought process and suspend our own judgment with this foolishness. Because what's interesting is that when I looked into it, you know, I was even a little bit surprised that, for example, Nixon was chosen twice. Nixon was a person of the year and then he was a person of the year along with someone else. And so, you know, twice, 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 back to back, back to back before his resignation. And so- When I looked at the criteria, so let me read it to you because this is interesting. And Lisa, you are the wordsmith. So if you would like to rewrite the criteria and then we send one of our nice, nasty emails to Time Magazine, I'm down for it. But this is what it says. It says, person of the year, which was called man of the year or women of the year until 1999, Mm -hmm. is an annual issue that profiles a person, a group, an idea or an object that, quote, for better or for worse, has done the most to influence the events of the year. The selection is made solely by the magazine's editors. Now, given where we are in the moment and there is war going on between Russia and Ukraine, like we we literally could see the presidents of Ukraine and Russia as a tag team person of the year for 2022, based on what we're experiencing at the moment, based on these criteria. It is so for better or worse. I mean, really for better or worse. That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I mean, I get it. Like operating in a bubble, an individual who's had an influence. Yeah. Hitler, Nixon, Putin, um, perhaps would be person, man of the year, (laughs) but it's ir- right, right. I think irresponsible because I don't think the common understanding of person of the year, like I said before, is one that is negative, right? Like, because you could highlight Hitler, presumably, and identify all of the shit, right? And all of the nasty, nasty hatred 
but you yeah. still have on the front cover of your magazine that people in the supermarket are just going to like drive by and just see that he's, they're not going to like pick it up, pay for it, read it, right? Understand the criteria. So then you have this magazine and the editors who presumably are all white men until recently, I would guess, um, are valorizing him, right? I mean. Well, and okay, now this is where, <laughs> this is where I'm going to kind of throw the fly in the ointment on things, right? Because part of me thinks exactly right on point. Nobody's going to go deeper and read the criteria. They're just going to look at the magazine cover because they are in the business of selling magazines. So they're just going to make a quick judgment based on the cover, buy it or not, and move on, right? Right, right. Now, the other part of my brain, though, is like, is this a CYA moment, Lisa? Meaning that, is this a cover your ass moment? So if we choose Lisa Inkerfield as our person of the year in 2022, but then she makes a dumbass decision in 2032 and we retroactively have to look back at our covers, we can still say that this person was influential, even though when we selected them, it was better. Now it's for worse. I feel like there's like a CYA piece in that where maybe you don't have to agree on whether it's better or worse. Just know that it's an undeniable influence. Like even right now with this war that's currently going on, it's undeniable that Putin is influencing the world for worse, in my opinion, but still influencing the world. Right. And so part of me is like, what happens when your judgment of people changes? Like even with our uh, reference to Nixon, for example, Nixon twice. And now people are like, eh. Well, it's a CYA that they could say, well, hey, we selected for better or for worse. It still applies no matter what happened to him, right? I, I just think it's very interesting, the language. And I, I don't know how I would rewrite it, but I think it is a it is a good insurance policy built in in case someone acts a fool later. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess I see that. But then I guess I would, I would also backtrack and say, why do you need the insurance policy? I mean, Hitler is probably a bad example because he was clearly an asshole from the get-go right like his politics and his yep. Yep. Um, knowledge was known it was a known entity and it just got progressively worse but for well and I would argue that with Putin as well but there are probably some individuals um, who were not necessarily clearly assholes right until 10 years later or something so I suppose <laughs> right in that sense right. You know, like there is, it is covering their ass in terms of the retrospective piece, but for some, it, I don't get like, yeah, I, I think mm -hmm. the risk is greater than the educational opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, and I, I do agree with you. I, I just think that there's going to be folks that aren't, you're right. They aren't going to look deeper. And it also requires people to critically think like it's it's really hard for people to get past the name of mm -hmm. Hitler or Putin mm -hmm. or other names in order to look at. Because if you've even mildly studied Hitler's leadership skills, <laughs> there are some things that you definitely can leave there. And there are other things that you're like, oh, that actually compares to some of the leadership scholarship because you're trying to get people to coalesce around us a, a single cause. You're, there are some things there, but you have to tread really lightly. And that's not going to work unless you're really thinking deeply. And frankly, when I'm at the grocery store picking out a magazine, I'm not thinking deeply. I'm thinking about, oh, that's interesting. I might grab it or I might not. 
I'm not in scholar mode at that point. I don't think anybody is, frankly. And so, yeah, I think you're right. They are taking a risk on who they choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also risky because, you know, you can't control future behavior either. So, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the lists are problematic, maybe just from the beginning anyway, because historically they've only been lists of men, of white men, right? And then mm-hmm. how, how do you create a criteria that is inclusive? So who's creating the criteria? Who's making the judgments? What what do we understand as a quote unquote good contribution, right? That then um, right. warrants right. being recognized in some way. But right. um, I don't know. I just, I feel like, yeah, I just, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth in terms of, hmm. uh, you know, even though you've got this better or worse, yeah, sure. You're influential, but you're influential for the wrong reasons. And I don't think we should be contributing um, to that. And I wonder how that translates now. Right. So part of this piece that you found was they were making up for lost time because there's been very few women. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, they're trying to make up for lost time. And, you know, again, it's trying, it, it reminds me of many different, um, journalistic outlets that are trying to make corrections from the past. Like even recently, the Baltimore Sun mentioned this and Baltimore is overwhelmingly black. The state of Maryland is overwhelmingly black, but they still in print acknowledged how, um, I don't think revisionist history is quite the right word, Lisa, but they are trying to create some equity based on historical inequities in the way things have been reported, shared, communication um, has influenced the city and the state of Maryland. And so I I think some of that same spirit is going on here. Um, So, for example, even within the women of the year for this year, there's diversity among the women that they chose. So, you know, like I mentioned before, Allison Felix was the first one that caught my eye, but she still had Michaela J. Rodriguez, who is a trans woman that was the star of Pose, which was, you know, known very widely um, to represent the LGBT communities and um, ballroom culture and so forth and underground culture of the LGBT movement. Um, Amanda Gorman, who we know um, was uh, National Poet Laureate um, at the inauguration for President Biden. Amal Clooney, which has been a civil rights uh, attorney and advocate, of course. Adina Friedman, who is the CEO of NASDAQ. Jenny Joseph, which this one kind of um, lands close to my heart. Jenny Joseph has been an advocate for Black maternal mortality issues because a lot of people don't want to remember that black women are still the highest uh, percentage of women to lose their lives in childbirth. And so given that, thank goodness I I made it through too, but she's doing that work on the front line. So I think that's really interesting that now that they seem to have turned somewhat of a corner, I'm very uh, hopeful. I'm not saying it's a perfect list, but I'm very hopeful because they didn't, they, they could have chosen all white women thinking, oh, we corrected it now, we've corrected right. for gender, now we moved on, but now they have brought a, a broad swath of people in. So, you know, there's some history behind that. Um, but I found it, Lisa, so surprising that like 1999 is not that long ago, no, right? No, it isn't. I mean, to yeah. change, to wait until the to 99 <laughs> to change your award label, or I guess it's not an award because they're saying it's not necessarily a positive thing. Um, 
to person versus man is quite shocking. But interestingly, I was looking at Sports Illustrated to shift this over to endurance sports. And, there, you know, there's a mm. lot of lists like the BBC in the UK has Sports Personality of the Year. And then ah. over here we have Sports Illustrated, uh, Athlete of the Year, I think. Um, and no, it's not actually. I, I misspeak. It's uh, called Sportsman of the Year. But oh, they change okay. it to sportswoman of the year if there's a woman, right? So it's also um, gender exclusive, right? Because they're not even going yeah. to person. They're switching between man and woman based on who it is that gets the award. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that's been running since 1954. So a little less time than the time one. Um, but mm-hmm. I did a count on Wikipedia. Yes, I totally realize Wikipedia is not like necessarily the best source, but that's where the that's where I found a list. Um, right, right. There, so it's been running what sixty seven years, and I counted the women, um, and there have been thirteen women um, in that time frame, and. In, in 2020, there were five people that won, two women and uh, three men. And then another two times, there were women that shared the award with a man. So they weren't on their own, right? And then in that 13 women who've been featured, there's only two women of color. So Naomi Osaka and Sabrina, uh, Serena Williams. Oh, my Lord. So you mean to tell me in almost 70 years, there's only two excuse me, 13 women total. And out of those two women of color total in almost 70 years. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And I didn't look at the racial identity of the men, but my, I would bet money it's going to be predominantly white men. And, and, and of course, as we can probably assume a big whopping zero trans women in that list or non-binary people. In that yeah. List. I mean, I am not super educated on everyone in the list, but yes, I would yeah. if we were going to yeah. see a trans person, it would be probably in the last decade. And I recognize most of the names from the last decade and no. Oh my gosh. Incredible. Incredible. So Lisa, as, as we always uh, think up things that we never have full time to do, <laughs> I think you and I should come up with some criteria and create a different set of awards entirely because this is like a masterclass in what not to do from job. Right. right. I mean, a serious masterclass in what not to do. And I think it also demonstrates what it means to try and change direction uh, later on, right? Like if you don't build a system or yeah. a program or an award inclusively from the get-go and then 10 years later 30 years later 70 years later right you you realize your errors and then you try to redress that imbalance it's really hard to do so I think you know certainly the 1930s the 1950s are a different time I mean I get that um but that's not an excuse necessarily to not think about inclusion um, and I, I, there's no excuse now in 2022, right? Like if you're yeah, creating a new yeah. program and event, then you really need to be embedding the inclusiveness. And when you're mm-hmm. thinking about those rules or the criteria for mm-hmm. membership or whatever, right. You have to be thinking about, you know, who's the group that's creating the rules and how are we embedding mm-hmm. unintentionally or intentionally embedding bias into it? Um, yeah. Yeah. so you're right. Like, I think these are really great examples of what not to do. I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely would say don't have the for better or worse piece. That's the first piece that Lisa is striking out with yeah. a big red pin. No, it's got to yeah. go. 
You know, the other thing, Shauna, that annoys me about the time stuff um, Mm -hmm. is I think when I was looking at it, they said that these women who are being featured in 2022 are all individuals who have worked to make the world better for women um, or marginalized groups broadly. And I find that quite interesting because I think when men win awards it's usually for their broader contribute contribution to science or society or something right it's not gender or race specific but when we um award um women or a black person or an indigenous person usually the the criteria ends up being the work that they have done for um folks who share their marginalized identity or identities right Mm -hmm. it's really weird um like like women and folks of color can't just create good for everyone right yes 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 absolutely so I would say we need something around that too well you know what and it's okay so my brain just went in both directions on that Lisa so it based on what you're saying it makes it seem as if women aren't equipped to do things for broader society and it feels like it takes men off the hook for doing things yes. specifically for equity, inclusion, yeah. diversity. Yep. And so why can't both groups do either or all if exactly. that's what their specialty is? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, we, we know we've talked about it many times on this podcast, especially in relation to the workplace. We have documented scholarship to show the data around women and people of color being penalized for speaking up for these particular issues, but they wouldn't be penalized for speaking up for these issues if everyone, especially the people who have the most, uh, the most privilege would speak for those issues. So then no one would be penalized or at least lesser to a Mm. lesser degree, hopefully. So yeah, I love that you're bringing up that point because it, it feels very much like that invisible labor that we talk about all the time where, you know, women and anyone who doesn't identify as a man has to do this, not only what they do, but it's this extra set of what they do. So a woman can't just be a biologist. She has to be a biologist that cures cancer specifically for black and brown people with brown eyes who have been disenfranchised for da, 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 da. I'm like, why can't she just be a biologist if she wants to? And why can't the white boy cure it for the black people and the brown people and indigenous people? Like we, why can't we do both? Um, and so you're right. I, it's very rare that I see um, those awards given to people in quote unquote privileged identity groups that work for people outside of their own identity groups. I don't see it very often. But and if you do see it, isn't it usually couched in the savior, right? Like what a good uh, person you are doing things for people who have less than you. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. Well, look, Lisa, I'm I don't know if it's out there. Maybe we can do a little more research around it. One other area that I think we should pay attention to, especially because we've talked about it on this podcast a little more when it came to um, summer Olympic season, Paralympics, et cetera, is that I'm waiting to see the sports person of the year or someone else who is acknowledged as an athlete who um, is is differently abled, disabled, or maybe a Paralympian or in another sport where there might be a restriction involved. And, you know, it's easy to call out the LeBron Jameses and the Serenas and the Simone Biles, not taking anything away from what they've done. But again, you know, going back to your point of how do we build it inclusively from the beginning, 
we already know that that's an identity that has been chronically excluded and not considered, you know? Um, and so how do we build that in? I was um, looking at something on LinkedIn, Lisa, where it showed a picture of a, a model that was, um, she had on this bright red lipstick. This is why I remember it. Bright red lipstick. She had um, short gray hair um, and she was sitting in a wheelchair with her red bottom heels on, right? And she was a model for Fashion Week. And I was thinking to myself, I love it because that's an area where people have not considered a model who may be in a wheelchair, who they want to go, you know, walk down the catwalk, if you will. And so how do we build it in? And Lisa, to your other point of how do we build inclusion in from the beginning, even for the best intentioned folks, how do we continue to evolve as we, as society, get more language to describe certain things, right? So like, you know, neurodiversity may not have been Mm -hmm. language that we had at a certain point in time, but now that we have it and we're aware of it, we are considering it as our wheel of different identity groups. So as emergent groups and even groups that have always been there, as we get more language to describe those groups, how do we continue to include them and evolve? Because I guarantee you 10 years from now, even if we had the best list, there's going to be a group that has recently gotten language to de- describe themselves that we'll need to add to our consideration, right? So yeah. kind of leaving that door open is, is something mm-hmm. else to think about. Yeah, because the women in the Time 2022 list, at least from their photographs, do not appear to be physically disabled in any way or, you know, right. disabled, right? I mean, we don't know about other um, abilities and disabilities. So that's an area, definitely. And then your fashion um, comments, really interesting and not anything to do with sport, but maybe is, you know, fashion designers presumably are designing clothing for a particular type of person, right? I mean, put aside the fact that we can never afford any of their clothing. They're designed for a particular type of body, right? And that body is one that is able to walk on their legs, right? So you're thinking, I'm thinking like, will we ever get to a place where in terms of that universal design concept, where we're not like, we are just as a matter of default designing clothing, sports clothing for individuals of all abilities and identities, right? Just naturally like that. It doesn't need to be pointed out to you. It doesn't need to be this one token person. um, That's right. On the back. It's like, this is just natural because I would, imagine there might be different needs for Mm -hmm. someone who is sitting for a good part of their day versus someone who is not right and then thinking about um fitting and people's different body sizes and um you know amputees and stuff like that like Mm -hmm. rather than that being a special creation or like you know this comes back to our conversation about the olympics versus the paralympics and what does it do to separate the Mm -hmm. paralympics right in terms of quote-unquote special situation yeah. And then, so, you know, I don't know. I wonder whether there are these sports personality lists mm. that are for folks with disabilities, right? Like it's separate yeah. because you couldn't possibly have an integrated <sighs> list of people of all abilities. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's such a good point. And I'm even thinking about, um, you know, I, I despised this when I was pregnant with both of my sons where it was kind of, you know, this is the maternity section and this is the regular section. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, first of all, I really want nice looking clothes, regardless of if I'm pregnant or not. Um, And secondly, this is a category of 
um, of disability, even if it's a short-term disability based on what I can and cannot do, you know, those types of things. Um, Even functional things, Lisa, I know we've talked about this before around many of us love pockets and how gendered pockets have been for so long. Well, you know, even, even thinking about, you know, a person actually uh, disabled or not, where let's say the small tweak in the pocket is that it has a zipper because how many times have I had something in my pocket? I sat down and everything came out of my pockets, right? Well, for a person who's in a wheelchair, um, you know, having that very same pocket that's in the design, but just having a zipper on it. So it's more functional. You know, I, I would imagine that those are small tweaks that would be inclusive. So I know we've gotten into, you know, fashion here, but again, you know, I think that's cool to have that in, in the design anyway, mm-hmm. whether you're in a wheelchair or not. So I'm not a fashion designer. I'm not on project runway, but I just act like I am, Yeah, you know, I, I think that could be part of, of the thought process. So I think, you know, we found an area where we can think more broadly because y'all know as listeners, we talk about universal design all the time. Yet again, here's another opportunity where university universal design could have been part of the process from day one when it came to person of the year, persons of the year, individuals of the year, all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there, there's some work to be done here. So thank you, Allison Felix, for inspiring this entire podcast, because I never would have even stopped no. um, to look at the article unless I had, I had seen her there. So yeah, but yeah I mean, we need to help them out. We do. And I think if, you know, we're, we're coming into the season, the endurance sports season, at least not the winter endurance sport, I suppose the spring and summer endurance sports season. So all your clubs and organizations, you know, are potentially ordering kits, are determining leadership, are thinking about, um, you know, planning out the season and maybe you have an award ceremony at the end and sure you're not doing nominations yet, but maybe you're creating that criteria Maybe you should have a look back at your history and see what, what, who you have awarded every year, right? Who are the predominant Mm -hmm. people in your leaderships historically? So you can uncover that pattern and then um, start to rectify it. Because I think sometimes we don't think about the pattern, the historical pattern, and then it's not enough to just Mm -hmm. do it once and then revert to, you know, the quote unquote status quo. Like that doesn't make the process or uh, situation inclusive. It has to be like a fundamentally permanent shift. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, Lisa, I think that given the list that we reviewed and the little bit of research we did, I am sure that we have a built-in hell gnaw into this particular episode. You ready for it? Mm Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Hell no. Absolutely. Adolf Hitler as man of the year for 1938 is the most mind-blowing thing I have ever seen in the worst of ways. Um, Yeah, I'm sure that uh, I, I would imagine, I wish I could interview someone that was on that selection committee. Folks that were on the selection committee for that year, what were y'all thinking? What were y'all thinking? I don't know what they were thinking, Lisa, but that one, it, I, I can't even yeah. say that was a good person gone bad. That was just bad from the beginning. I know, I know. It, it was known. It was known at that point, 1938, just before the war started, right? I mean, yeah, you're right. And it's like, I mean, I have stronger words, you know, like if I could roll in in a time machine to that that editorial meeting and mm. be like, what the F? 
Like, no. Right. Like, exactly. No. Person who brought that up, you're fired. Like, no. <laughs> right? I mean, I, it doesn't even warrant discussion. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's, yeah, that one is despicable. I don't know what y'all were thinking. I, I might give y'all a pass on Nixon because there were some things that weren't necessarily happening or revealed yet. And then he went bad, but Hitler was, yeah, we, we knew what was up right there. So that's what I'm throwing out as the easy hell nah for mm. this particular podcast. But I hear that there is a hell yeah, that is excellent that I think we need to highlight because I was so hyped when I saw this, Lisa. Yes, yes. So Shauna discovered um, a post relating to a company called Flipkart that, that I was unaware of, but they have introduced period leave a period leave policy, meaning that individuals who have uh, periods are able to take time off, pay time off for the uh, pain and suffering. <laughs> Oh, that yes, really yes. Pretty, that's what it feels like to me. Um, yes, me too. When you are experiencing your menstruation cycle, or I guess the seven days um, mm-hmm. of your period. So I thought that was pretty amazing. And where has that been yeah. all my life? You know, I certainly have taken sick time um, sometimes because I haven't been able to function. And Absolutely. that has definitely not gotten better with age. So, right, right. I don't know other firms that are doing this. I mean, it's no. very possible they are, but they're not naming it as such. So I just love that they've named it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the the fact that they brought this up, you know, they believe they use the language of being supportive and equitable um, and creating this ecosystem where everyone can bring their best selves to work. And Lisa, based on what you just said and what I have been experiencing for years since I was 16 years old, there is no way in hell that I'm bringing my best self to work on a couple of days of the month, at least. So no, I, I am so pleased with mm-hmm, this particular mm-hmm. policy. I love the way that it's written. So, you know, regardless of how you identify yourself, if you are a person who has a period, this policy applies to you. So I love that as well. Uh, because the first, my first thought when I kind of glanced at it really quickly was, okay, now, uh, thank you for this policy, but don't leave out our transgender folk here. And when I looked back, it was there. So I was like, yeah. Get it out the park with this one. Um, yeah. So, where was this policy when I started working when I was 16 years old, Lisa? I don't know, but yeah, I, I love that policy. Oh, Absolutely uh, love it. I have horrible memories. I worked in retail when I was 15, 16, mm. and standing on the floor, you know, reorganizing ugly clothing and trying to be polite to people with just absolutely excruciating mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and I really yeah. just wanted to be like with a chocolate bar and a heat pad and right you know, right right TV. exactly yeah exactly it's like shut the whole world down and then what's so interesting about it is that you know a couple of days later you feel like you know you have all your superpowers back so it's just the strangest feeling ever but mm-hmm. I'm grateful that they recognize the direct connection between health and wellness and work, knowing that there are folks that have been suffering for years, um, either going to work or having to burn time that they didn't have or uh, losing hours that they could not afford to lose because of something that occurs naturally in the body. So kudos. Kudos to you all. Unfazed, a podcast produced by Live Feisty Media and supported by the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. 
edited and produced by the fabulous Lindsay Glassford. Email us at info at unfazedpodcast.com and find us on social at try to defy at Dr. Gold Speaks or at Outspoken Women in Try. I'm Lisa. I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time. Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real-time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and use the code feisty for 20% off. That's insidetracker.com forward slash feisty.